welcome to the Dean's Data Depot. My name is Jeffrey Dean. And my name is Mason Dean. And today we will be picking the best of the best in the NBA and deciding which MLB players you would start an MLB team with. Alright, so starting first with the NBA. So, the way I think we should do this is take, you know, make three teams of five. First team, second team, third team. Uh, mine are more uh, guard heavy, but obviously, you know, whatever um, uh, players you picked. Um, so at least for me, the way I went about this was I created a metric to try and evaluate which players in the NBA were superstars. So the way I did this was I took the which players fell in the 90, 90th percentile of all NBA players who had played who had played at least ten minutes a game in assists, rebounds, minutes. Um, and points per game, as well as the number of wins for their team. You know, basically, can they perform in the regular season well enough to win their team games? And then I also added a playoff performance boost factor sort of thing because I think you know, for players to make these make these teams make this list, they need to show that they're able to elevate their performance when it counts in the playoffs in order to make their team push for the title. And just to clarify, this is for the 2020-2021 NBA season? Correct. Okay. So for my All-NBA first team, Mason's All-NBA first team, I had Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, and Joel Embiid. Interesting. Okay, so I also had Antetokounmpo on the first team, and I also had Doncic on the first team. Um, so I, I want to hear your rationale for LeBron James this season, LeBron James this season, over Kevin Durant. So, at the beginning of the season, he was an MVP candidate. He was averaging 26, 8, and 8. Kevin Durant missed a lot of games. There was a lot of load management. LeBron James, he missed some games, but it was because someone stepped on his ankle. So, it was very obvious, and I think the NBA should reward players that don't load manage because it's becoming a big problem in the regular season. Okay, so, that you'll take... So, even though, you know, what... Because, you know, I think to make this list... This is all-encompassing. So, you know, regular season, yes, and playoffs. And I think one of the things that, you know, really set Kevin Durant... Cause Ke so Kevin Durant is on my, my first team. I also have Doncic and Antetokounmpo, and then I have Mitchell, Durant, and Jokic. So I think Mitchell was... I don't know his points per game, but he also missed a lot of games this season. So I'm not sure if he could have made the first team. I had him lower down the list, but I think that's kind of high for first team considering Steph Curry won the scoring title. Okay, so, I mean, the the reason that I have um, both Durant and Mitchell is their incredible playoff performance. So, you know, the the way I went about this, as I explained, there's the there's the boosted factor, um, the 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 elevation for for good uh, postseason play, and uh, Kevin Durant had one of the highest, had the high second highest uh, postseason elevation score of 15.7 the highest was John Morant at 20.7 the lowest was James Harden at negative 9.7 granted in the games he played he was injured so you know that obviously affects it but you know Kevin Durant put even though the Nets lost that was a you know historic effort on his part so I think he definitely should get that spot and also the same thing with Mitchell. You know, Mitchell is battling an injury, but he elevated his performance substantially um, in order to, to, you know, give his team a fighting chance against the Los Angeles Clippers, who are very good. Um, which, you know, I have two 
two uh, Clippers that we'll get into later. Um, but I also want to hear your thoughts on Embiid. So Embiid, he had the highest PER player efficiency rating. He was averaging lots of points per game. He was an MVP finalist. If he hadn't missed so many games, he probably would have been the the MVP. He is very dominant down low. He's unstoppable. I think that he should be the center, even though Jokic won the MVP. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. I The thing that I will say, though, is, you know, Embiid, granted what we saw what happened in the in the playoffs with Ben Simmons, but he has a strong supporting cast around him, whereas, no, you don't think so? No, I do not think he has a strong supporting cast. He had a player that was so scared to shoot the ball, he had a wide-open dunk, and he just passed it. He shot the lowest percentage from the free throw line ever in the history of the NBA, and the NBA has been along around a long time. Okay, but you know, but he also had Tobias Harris. Seth Curry is not a you know all star candidate, but he is a solid player. He had Danny Green. These this the the Philadelphia 76ers squad was not bad by any stretch of the imagination, and he had all of those players at his disposal. Whereas you know we saw Jokic who who pushed his team to a first-round victory over Damian Lillard and Carmelo Anthony and C.J. McCollum's Portland Trailblazer team. And then without, got sweet. Okay, yes, but without Jamal Murray, without the assistance of Jamal Murray, who then, who, who who's yours? I mean, you have a fading Aaron Gordon. I mean, you have, you know, Monte Morris, Will Barton. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., rising star, but, you know, he's not Carmelo Anthony or anything. So I, I think that Jokic definitely... Um, would be on that should should be on that list um, on that first team. Okay, so you know now moving on to the second team. I uh, I have Lillard, Harden, Leonard, Booker, and Embiid. What about you? So I also have Lillard and Harden, um, and then I have also have Leonard, and then I have Mitchell and Kevin Durant. Okay, so we so we swapped ours. Okay, so what's your what's your rationale for Durant being lower? Is there any rationale other than the injuries? Um, no. So, basically, I don't think he was better than Curry or Doncic, and as a big man, Embiid is better, and I think he missed a bunch of games, mostly load management, so I think just being the big man on the second team is a good spot for him. Oh, for for, for Durant? Yes. Okay. Okay. Alright, and then what about, um, and then what about Mitchell? Mitchell over Booker? Or Mitchell, you know, you have you have you have uh, Mitchell above Booker, but you have uh, him only on the second team. Where's what's where's your thinking on that? So I didn't put him on the first team because Steph Curry is there, and I definitely think Steph Curry had a better year than Donovan Mitchell. So I think Donovan Mitchell should be on the second team, and I don't think Booker should be down until the third team. Okay, interesting. All right. So the thing that I will say though is is you know. With Steph Curry, I know I know he was on that first team, and we've moved moved on from that. So I have Steph Curry on my third team. Um, you know, he, it, he he had a rather depleted roster, but at the same time, he didn't make the playoffs. And the team that was in place of them was the Memphis Grizzlies. And with all due respect to the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, John Morant has the highest um, you know playoff adjusted score, playoff you know elevation factor. Um, of any player with his, you know, incredible performance to, you know, even to beat um, Utah in that in that game one. If if we so we so you know what's do you have any thoughts on that? 
So all the analytics nerd geeks, they need to be able to watch the TV. Steph Curry was getting triple teamed in the fourth quarter of that playing game every single time. He would cross midcourt, he would get trapped, and there would be someone five feet behind in case he split the double team because they did not want him to shoot threes. They were okay with Jordan Poole shooting wide open threes in the corner, but they were not going to let Steph Curry beat them. Well, but can't the same thing be said for John Morant? At least, you know, Steph Curry has a Jordan Poole, has a Draymond Green, you know... John Morant's secondary options are, you know, Dylan Brooks, an all-world defender, but by no means is he Draymond, like, has have the, the experience and the offensive prowess of Draymond Green. Draymond Green scored zero points against the Lakers in the play-in game, and I don't even think if I showed you a picture of Jordan Poole, you could tell me who it was. So Steph Curry's supporting cast was terrible. I think that he had the scoring title. He was averaging 31.1 points per game. Just the fact that they were an eight seed after the regular season is a miracle. I think he should be on the first team. All right. Okay. All right. Well, so, and then now moving on to the third team, I have Paul George, which I know is a bit of a, sh- is a shaky selection, but I'll get into it. Um, Irving, uh, LeBron James, Trey Young, which I know you probably have some qualms with, and then Steph Curry. Um, what about you? So I had Irving, I had Westbrook, I had Booker, I had Butler, and I had uh, I had Rudy Gobert. Okay, interesting. Talk to me about uh, Jimmy Butler over I don't know Trey Young, Paul George. I mean, his Miami Heat team got swept. Yes, Jimmy, but Jimmy Butler, his regular season was very good. They were destroyed by COVID. You saw last year how good he is. He is a great player. Good offense offensively, good defensively, I think he should be on that third team slot. And I think Rudy Gobert should also be there because he's a defensive stopper in the in the middle. No one drives in the paint because they know he will block it or alter their shot. He is the magic key to the Jazz success. Okay. Okay. I mean, all right, that's fair. That's fair. Um okay, what about Russell Westbrook? Because this, so this is my thing with Russell Westbrook. I don't have Russell Westbrook because, uh, let's see, hold on, let me let me look at my at my thing. But um, because you know he, good player, great regular season performer. But you know against the Philadelphia 76ers, he wasn't shooting great. I mean he he's a good he's a he's a he's a playmaker you know facilitator. But I don't think he deserves a spot on these teams because of his inability to elevate his game, which my prime example, favorite example of somebody elevating their game, Trey Young. You know, he saw his 48-point uh, performance in, in Game 1. They, you know, made some adjustments, shut him down. The Bucks shut him down in Game 2. But, you know, that took the full might of the of the, a very stout Milwaukee Bucks team. Um, so I – do you have any issue putting Westbrook above, you know, Trey Young? Uh, I think Westbrook is there. He ha- he averaged a triple double. Trey Young he shoots from the logo, even though he shoots a very low percentage. He's a great showman and he makes great highlights. But I think if I were to start a team, I would much rather have Russell Westbrook on it than Trey Young. And okay, okay. So the would but here's the other thing is would would Russell Westbrook have had the success he had without Bradley Beal? Because Bradley Beal, you know, an all an all star player. You know, he made the All Star this season. He had one of the higher scores, uh, superstar scores, base scores of a shooting guard this year. There, there needs to be some balance of star, of starship. 
Yeah, I I do agree that then that Bradley Beal did help Russell Westbrook, but I do think he could still average lots of assists, put up points, grab rebounds, even with not another superstar on his team. And I think he belongs on the Mason's All NBA third team left. Okay, okay. So one of my other selections was Paul George. Um, you know, shaky offensive, you know, shaky performances in the past. But he has certainly, certainly elevated his game um, in this, in, in the playoffs here. So during the regular season, he was averaging, uh, let's see, he was averaging twenty three six and five. Um, so you know, not bad. In the in the postseason, he's averaging twenty six ten and five. Yeah. So I think you know that huge elevation puts him on this list. Yeah, the one advantage that's inflating his statistics is there's no Kawhi Leonard, so he's getting more shots, and he's just grabbing more rebounds because it's the general consensus that he's going to get the rebound and just take the ball up the court. So I think some of those rebounds would go to Kawhi, and most of those points would go to Kawhi. Like in the critical games against the Mavericks, Kawhi had like 40 points, and Paul George had 20. Right, though does that, you know, is that an extra certification of Paul George's ability to be a star when necessary, despite the struggles he's had in the past, that when Kawhi Leonard left, you know, they they won two games, one on the road, the first one being on the road in Utah to knock off the number one team in the West, and then against um, the against the Suns, they've they're you know down three one, but they've lost those three games by what a combined nine or so points. Yeah, but it was very necessary that when the Clippers are up by one point with eight seconds left, Paul George at the line to shoot two free throws. That you make at least one of them. He missed both the free throws. DeAndre and slammed a dunk in to win, and they lost because Paul George was unable to make free throws. But at least he put them in the position. Okay, you know. Missing those free throws unacceptable for a you know player that of what of his stature, but he put he had them in a position to win. I think you know Paul George has is overrated. Like I don't think he is the he is a leader of a team. I have Leonard above him on my you know I have Leonard on my second team, but you know he had his team in a position to win without their superstar. You know, and last night uh, against the Suns on you know again without uh, without. Kawhi Leonard had them in a position to win, you know, take the game down the stretch. Wasn't able to pull it off, but is able to keep his, uh, you know, his Clipper squad afloat against Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, but he doesn't need more than keep the Clippers afloat because they are facing elimination and Chris Paul is hungry. Yes. Okay, so I think that's, you know, that that's all enough for our, for our NBA discussion. Now let's move to the MLB. So if we're to take, you know, an expansion franchise, you know, we'll stick it wherever you you so please. You, you're able to take we'll, we'll say, you're able to take three players, a young star, a middle aged player, and one who's somewhat over the hill. So we'll take one under twenty five, one between twenty six and thirty, and then a player over thirty. Who are you taking? So my under twenty five will be Juan Soto. Already in his career. He has a silver slugger, a batting title, and his career OPS plus is 151. So how OPS plus works is it takes into account everything, the ballpark, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging, all of that, and the MLB average is 100. His is 151, which means he is 51% better than the average player. Okay, so mine is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, 
So just you know to stay on that statistic, this so this year obviously a you know career year for the third for for the third year Toronto Blue Jay. He has uh, an OPS plus um, of two hundred and five. Yeah, right? that is a very good OPS plus. But this is a standout year, and Juan Soto has been doing it for a long time. In the 2019 World Series, he was 19. He really made a name for himself doing the Soto shuffle on Garrett Cole and then smacking a home run. I think that he is the best player under 25, and his defense in left field is very good. Okay, so the other thing, the other, you know, to respectfully disagree with, with your selection, I think he, he, he's on a team that was good. Right, he came onto a Nationals team that was, you know, a, a pretty. The, the Nationals have been up in that conversation um, for for a while. You know, they're 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 a solid, solid, solid team year in year out. I mean, let's see. So over the over the last few years, they've finished. So since twenty twelve, they finished first, second, first, second, first, first, second, second in in the in the in the NL East. So you know. He's in, he's been put in a position to succeed, um, you know. My selection being Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Before, so in in the in the his first year where he was getting he, where he had been called up, and the year prior, the Blue Jays were 140 and 184 for a for uh, 43.2 percent win percentage. After in the in the two two seasons sent, so in this partial season and in, in the COVID year, they have been 71 and 65. Uh, f- uh, that's what that's a five t- uh, 52.6 win percentage that would this was on track to be their first full season uh, winning season since 2016 when they went to the ALCS but that was back with Josh Donaldson Edwin Encarnacion uh, Jose Bautista Troy Tulowitzki a, a loaded squad um, that was you know whereas this is the younger squad powered by Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Not, and this is before we get into the numbers he has put up this year that have shown that he is on a superstar traje- trajectory. He is first in on-base percentage, uh, OPS, um, tied for third in hits, first in home runs, RBIs, total bases, times on base, uh, runs created, and, and he is second in runs scored with 61. And first is Bo Bichette with 64 runs scored. Who bats before uh, Guerrero Jr. in the lineup? So the only thing precluding him from being first in run scored is himself. Um, so you know he's also tied for first in, in, in uh, wins above replacement at 4.1, second in uh, offensive wins above replacement at 4.4, second in slugging percentage. I think there is no the only other possible person who could be in this discussion is uh, um, is Tatis Jr. But I would go with. With Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Last, although last year in the COVID shortened season, Juan Soto's on base percentage was 490, which is crazy. You can basically only do that in MLB the show. In a good season when he's totally healthy and he's hitting right, he will just be the best player in the MLB by far. Okay, well, I guess at least we're not we're not we're not trying to you know lure the same player to our squads. Okay, now moving on to the 25 to 29 year old players. My pick. Who's really just burst onto the show this year? He had there was some noise about him last year. Shohei Otani. He is second in the majors in home runs as a pitcher. He, he uh, and as a pitcher, he is three and one with a two fifty eight er two point five eight ERA. Uh, he, he has eighty two strikeouts, good for twenty second in the AL. For somebody who's only 
you know, started four games. So, who's your pick? My pick is Mike Trout. Everyone has been sleeping on him because he got injured, but already in his career, he's won three MVPs, he was Rookie of the Year, and his career batting average is 305. He is probably going to go down with the highest war in MLB history. Surefire Hall of Famer might get more than 600 home runs. He's already above 300, and he's only 29. I think that he is by far and away the best player in the MLB right now. Okay, I I would give you I would give you my trout on on in this on this debate. The, I mean, the only reason I could possibly really think of Shohei Shohei Otani as you know a, a, as a better selection than Mike Trout, who's already established himself as a, as an Angels great, is is his versatility as both a pitcher and and a designated hitter. Who uh, he's played outfield a few times. I'm pretty sure you know. The versatility, I think, leans in Shoyo Tani's favor, but, you know, like the stuff you talked about, Mike Trout is a generational player, and I think you can't possibly go wrong going with Trout. So now for the for the older, um, older-ish players, 30-plus, I chose Max Muncy, uh, was on the World Series winning Dodgers team last year, 3.6 wins above replacement this year, 8th in the MLB and OPS, 2nd in the MLB and on-base percentage, 4th in walks drawn, not to mention the 944 OPS he had in the World Series last year. Mine is Jacob DeGrom. He okay, can pitch, well, all he right. can hit. This year he's probably going to win Cy Young, MVP, Gold Glove, and Silver Slugger all in the same year. Already in his career, he's won two Cy Youngs, was a rookie of the year, and this year I told you about OPS plus how 100 is the average. They have the same thing, ERA plus 100 is the average. His ERA plus is 551. He is unstoppable. At one point he had, like, Half the at-bats were strikeouts. This year, his ERA is .69. That's less than one, which means in nine innings, he allows, on average, less than one run per game. Okay, there, yeah, okay. There are there are very few players, I think, that we have seen that have shown the sheer dominance um, that Jacob DeGrom has shown. I think that, you know, fantastic selection. He's absolutely dominated. I know we talked about him earlier when we were filling out the MLB All-Star ballots. Just an, a sensational player to watch for the Mets. All right, so you, you let's see. So I, I've got my my Guerrero Jr., Otani, uh, and Muncie. You've got Soto, Trout, and DeGrom. And my team is way more fun to watch. DeGrom, whenever he's pitching, people rush to the stadiums to hold up their DeGrominator signs and chant MVP when he's hitting doubles. But when I see Max Muncy at bat, I never turn the TV on. I don't really care about Max Muncy. He just draws locks. They're boring. <laughs> okay. Well, mine mine would be efficient. Moneyball. That's where I'm going. Uh, I'll just play Moneyball with money. Okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the Dean's Data Depot. I'm Jeffrey Dean. And I'm Mason Dean. Thank you for listening.